Nope. Hello, dear listener. A few things to let you guys know before this story starts. This story has a lot of strong language and a lot of, of, of violence that is described. Um, I typically try to not put cuss words in stories if I can avoid it, but I ha- you'll see that I had to keep the strong language in this one because removing it uh, would just reduce the impact of everything. So I kept it where I could, and it's a lot of it. So you've been warned. With that said, enjoy. Welcome to the Hunted Club. I stayed at a haunted house a few years ago, and no, that's not a typo. It's the only name I felt was fitting for it. A genuine haunted house would have been a vacation compared to the nightmare I lived through. A few doors creaking in the night, some apparitions standing over me, even a crying little girl in the wind were nothing compared to the depravity of living human beings. It all started when I planned a simple getaway with some buddies of mine. We were the typical group of teenage idiots. It was five of us. My buddy Daryl, his girl Allison, my best friend Kevin, and my crush Mary Beth. We all decided to go on one final trip before everyone went off to start their lives. Darren and Allison were both going to New York for college. Kevin was shipping out to boot camp. And Mary Beth was planning to travel to Europe for a while to do some backpacking with some of her girlfriends. Her parents had that kind of money, so she was taking a, quote, holiday year to find herself, I guess. I hate to admit it, but... I was jealous of all of them. Me, well, I was the loser without plans. I had a job at a convenience store and was going to live in my parents' basement. To be honest, I was dreading the end of summer. I was going to be all alone in our little neighborhood for the first time since I moved there. Five carefree years of hanging out with my friends almost every damn night. And then poof, I'm alone. So, in order to stave off the finality of the summer, I pitched one last hurrah for our friend group. A weekend away in an isolated cabin where we could get drunk, smoke up, play Mario Kart, and lounge at a pool. I spent a few weeks looking around on all the typical sites for a place that met our criteria. Everything was so damn expensive until I found it. The cabin that was too good to be true. It checked off every box and then some, and at half the cost of all the rest. If you are listening to this, you already know it was too good to be true. It started like any other trip. Everyone piled into Kevin's Jeep. Since I'm skinnier than Kevin and Daryl, I got the fun spot sandwiched between Allison and Mary Beth. Both of them were incredibly attractive, but Kevin's Jeep is open and it was 97 degrees that day. As much as a guy might say they love to be sandwiched between two hot chicks, 
This was not my idea of a good time. We all pretty much sweat our asses off on the ride there. Three hours in total with one stop in between, but the fun part of not driving was getting to enjoy some road drinks. Mary Beth bought us all some custom metal cups with our names engraved on them. She was always sweet like that, showing up at big events with gifts or homemade cakes. I guess that's why I always found myself so enamored with her. She just had a genuine kindness to her that most girls my age didn't have. I could never work up the courage to tell her how I really felt, and to be honest, I had no intentions of doing so on this trip. I knew how the story went. Even if I spilled my guts to her and confessed all my feelings, the best case was we would have two or three weeks before she went off to venture across Europe and forget all about me. I didn't want to put either of us through that awkward long-distance situation, so let sleeping dogs lie was always what I said to myself. I was an idiot. I squandered a chance I'll never get back. After a few hours, our GPS veered onto a back road that stretched deep into the woods. Daryl decided to be cute and hum the banjo song from the Deliverance movie. Allison yelled at him to shut up, half joking, but half serious. I'm just saying, backwoods and black people don't usually mix, babe. He half-heartedly laughed. Everyone else in the car snickered at his joke, but the scowl on her face told us that Allison did not find it funny. Not that she took offense to Daryl's joke, she just started the trip with an axe to grind. She was already pissed Daryl wouldn't sit in the back seat with her, so add in the alcohol, the heat, and the long drive, and we had the perfect recipe for some drama. It was no worry, though. Those two had one of the most toxic teenage relationships you could think of. They probably broke up monthly, but they always wound up making out on the couch by the end of the night they were together. It was exhausting, but we were all used to it. Don't worry, bud. You got me, Kevin said, slapping Daryl on the back. What a true statement that was. Kevin was a beast of a man, star linebacker of the football team, and a two-time wrestling state champ. No one messed around with him at school. He was a great friend to have. Mr. Popular, as I called him. We just happened to be seated next to each other in freshman algebra. High school got a lot easier for me once I became friends with Kevin. I didn't have any friends before Kevin, and I was struggling with the typical teenage angst and depression. We bonded over our mutual love of retro games. I couldn't tell you how many nights we wasted getting high and playing Goldeneye on the N64. Good times. Kevin had three D1 scholarships, but turned them all down to join the Marines and follow in his dad's footsteps. His mom was pissed, but ultimately Kevin turned 18 four months ago, and there was nothing she could do to stop him. And me! 
I joked, slapping Daryl's back. Yeah, like my six-foot, 170-pound skinny ass was going to do anything. We pulled into the massive cabin as Mary Beth squealed with excitement. Oh my god, she said, enamored by the size of the place. Jesus Christ, you sure this is the right place? Kevin said. Yeah, that's the address, I told them all, proud of my find. Well, shit, man, good job, Daryl said. Yeah, awesome find, Jake, Allison chimed in. I admit, I was enjoying the shower of compliments. Once we got inside, it only got better. The place was a monstrous cabin, loaded with amenities, a full-size pool, pool tables, foosball tables, shuffleboard, a 90-inch flat screen, and a fully stocked kitchen. This was a luxury stay, and we could not have been more excited. We immediately poured up shots of Pinnacle Whipped as Kevin toasted to me for finding the place. It burned from my throat all the way down to my toes, but that's the shit you gotta drink when you're a kid, I suppose. There isn't much else to talk about from that first day. We drank, smoked, ate, played foosball, swam some laps in the pool. Hell, even Daryl and Allison barely fought. It was a good time. The last good time I ever had with all of them. It all went wrong around 2 in the morning. Kevin, Daryl, and Allison had all passed out. It was just Mary Beth and I on the couch playing Mario Kart. She was boasting about crushing me and making fun of me. She was being very physically touchy, which wasn't abnormal for her, but it was more aggressive this time, like she was sending me a message. She tried knocking the controller out of my hands, and it turned into a playful wrestling match where she wound up on top of me. From there, it escalated into a kiss. Of course, I was loving it, but I was confused. Where is this coming from? I said, laughing between her kissing me. Are you really this oblivious? Mary Beth said, looking at me. Do I really need to spell it out for you? Spell out what? I asked. Remember, I was an idiot. Dude, I have been in love with you for years, she said, nervous to hear my response. I, uh, I, I didn't know you felt that way, I said back. Should I have kept my mouth shut? She asked, starting to feel embarrassed. No, no, this is great. I felt the same way. I guess I just didn't want to ruin our dynamic. I nervously stuttered back. Mary Beth leaned back in for another kiss when the hissing noise started. I obviously wanted to ignore it, but it was getting louder and louder. What's that sound? I asked, 
gently pushing her off of me for a second. Uh, I don't know. That's when she passed out on top of me. I looked up to see a cloud of white gas filling the room. I tried to get up and move, but the gas already started working. My vision was fading. The last thing I remembered was three lumbering masked men standing over me and Mary Beth. Before we jump back into the story, I just want to make a really quick shameless plug. If you're enjoying the story, or if you've become a regular listener, it would help me greatly if you spread the word by sharing an episode with a friend or leaving a review on whatever platform you're listening on if they allow you to do so. This will help the show find new listeners, and that just may give me the opportunity to create more content. Everybody wins, right? Anyway, that's enough self-promotion, for now. Let's get back to the story. I don't know how long we were out, but I was aggressively shaken awake by Kevin. My face was cold, and my body hurt. I realized I was laying on a cold, concrete floor. Jake! Jake! Get the fuck up, man! I sat up, still groggy from the knockout gas. Where are we? I looked around and saw everyone standing around this damp little concrete room. Allison was sobbing into her palms while Daryl was comforting her. Mary Beth was quiet and stoically looking around the room, trying to piece together what was happening. We gotta get out of here, Kevin said, pointing to the only door in the room. Guys? Mary Beth was pointing up. Her hand was trembling as the realization that someone was watching us settled in. There's a camera in here. Hey, fuck you! I remember Kevin screaming at the top of his lungs, like whoever was on the other end would have cared anyway. It was about this moment that the door unlatched and slowly swung open. We all braced, waiting to come face to face with our captors. And then, nothing. Nothing but unending darkness in front of us. Should, should we go? Allison stammered. Fuck this, man. Kevin, in a moment of bravery or stupidity, charged at the door. It was probably a combination of both. We saw him trip, heard a deafening bang, and then stood there in utter shock as the warmth of Kevin's blood and brain matter spattered across our faces. The lights outside the room finally came on, and one by one, we all came to the horrific realization of what just happened. Kevin, my best friend, 
triggered some kind of tripwire in his testosterone-laden bull rush. Blood, brains, and shrapnel from his skull blanketed every inch of the walls around him. Allison let out an ear-piercing scream, louder than the damn blast that just went off. What the fuck just happened? Daryl screamed, still wiping some of Kevin off of his face. It was rigged. It was fucking rigged, Mary Beth said, pointing up. As the shock of what just happened wore off, we saw it. A shotgun was rigged above the door. Kevin ran through some tripwire, setting it off. I just remember mumbling Jesus Christ over and over again as I stared at Kevin's neck stump. Blood still poured from his body into a pool on the concrete floor in front of us. We could even see him still twitching. I remember wondering if his parents would want to bury him given the circumstances. When you're in a situation like this, you tend to think of the weirdest shit. Daryl finally shouted something that pulled me out of my trance. Guys, pockets, check your pockets. I got a note in mine. Salvation is not at the entrance. Heretics who do not heed our words will burn, he said, reading aloud. The hell does that even mean? Mary Beth chimed in next. Fuck me. What? I recall shouting back. It, it says, tread lightly as the door opens. Now is not the time to lose your head. Allison was still in shock. It was clear to the rest of us that she was starting to lose it. Daryl shouted at her and told her to give her the paper. He read it out loud. Be not afraid of heights. You have one hour. Those who jump into the abyss may survive this yet. Mary Beth turned to me, asking me to read mine out loud. Mine was different from everyone else's, and I debated whether or not I should make something up. Keep your wits about you. Doorways are dangerous. I don't know why I did it. I lied to my best friends in that moment. But what else could I have done? It was about survival at this point, and my note had instructions. Not following them may have led to more death. After all, we were being watched. I didn't want to break the rules of whoever our demented tormentors were. Check Kevin's pockets, I shouted, getting the attention off of me. Good idea, Daryl said. Ugh, blood grosses me out, man. He groaned in a manner that implied he wanted someone else to do it. Ugh, I'll do it, you fucking pussy, Mary Beth shouted. I'd never heard her talk like that before. It was jarring. 
we could tell Daryl was shocked too. She walked over to Kevin's body, doing her best to avoid looking at the stump where his head once was. She shoved her hand down his pockets, groaning as his blood coated her hands. Finally, after a few seconds of digging, she pulled out a blood-soaked note. I... I can't make much out. The key... Kitchen... Tea... Pie? What are we supposed to do with that? Daryl shouted. I don't know. Just be careful in the kitchen. Mary Beth confidently stated, wiping Kevin's blood off of her hands. We have to keep moving. Are you crazy? Allison chimed in. You saw what happened to Kevin. I'm not leaving this room. Babe, you heard the note. We have one hour. Less now. We have to move. Who knows what these fuckers will do to us? Daryl attempted to reason with her. After a few more minutes of arguing, Mary Beth threw her hands up in frustration. You guys can stay here, but I'm getting out of this house. She began walking away from us, carefully stepping over the tripwire that did Kevin in. I quickly followed behind her, knowing she was right. Daryl finally got Allison up in that moment and followed closely behind me. It was clear we were in the basement of the cabin, having done a self-guided tour earlier in the day, but everything was different now. All the furniture was removed, and all of the walls were covered in blue tarp and barbed wire. The hallway led to an old creaky staircase leading to the main floor. Mary Beth stood at the bottom of the darkened pathway. The light that was over the stairs was deliberately removed. I remember grabbing her arm, telling her she needed to wait. The creaky wooden steps were probably rigged, and I wasn't about to watch her die like Kevin. Let me go instead. I chimed in, trying to be brave. I took a deep breath and began slowly climbing the steps with my back against the wall. I urged everyone to do the same. Each creak of the old wooden steps was agonizing as I braced for something horrible to happen. But nothing did. I kept moving higher and higher, struggling to hear myself think over my own labored breathing. I was near the top of the steps, when I heard the definitive sound of wood snapping. Daryl shouted at the top of his lungs and hunched over trying to pull his leg out. Allison stood behind him, desperately trying to help. That's when I felt something swing behind me. Luckily, Mary Beth and I were far up enough on the steps to be out of the strike zone. It swung over Daryl, who was still hunched over, trying to free his leg. Allison was not so lucky. It was a heavy metal object fastened to the end of a chain. 
decorated with razor-sharp protrusions. It smacked her face with a sickening crunch. It must have impaled her, because it knocked her off her feet, but she still hung there, trying to claw at the object to no avail as the life slowly faded from her and her arms dropped to her sides. Blood poured down on the floor as Allison's lifeless body hung there at the bottom steps. No! 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 I'll never forget Daryl's guttural screams as he watched her limp body sway back and forth. Daryl must have triggered another trap. I'm guessing since Mary Beth and I were lighter, we were able to pass over it. He ripped his leg out of the split wood and ran down the steps to Allison, desperate to help her. It was already too late. She was gone in a matter of seconds. Her face was practically caved in. The spikes went clean through her skull. Daryl lost it at that point. He stormed up the steps, eager to fight. Whatever psycho put us in this mess. He bashed through the door with no regards of his safety. You fucking ready? Let's go. Come the fuck out. Mary Beth and I followed through, relieved that another trap was not rigged in this doorway. We tried to calm Daryl down, but he wouldn't have it. That's when I noticed the front door was wide open. Daryl noticed at the same time and made a break for it. No, Daryl! Mary Beth screamed, remembering the vague warning about the entrance not being salvation. But it was too late. He was already through it before we could blink. We ran up to the door, hoping to coax him back inside. For a brief moment, it looked like Daryl was going to make it to the road. That's when Mary Beth saw the man in the gas mask step out from behind a tree. He was carrying a fucking World War II-era flamethrower. Who the hell could even find one of those things? He sprayed Daryl with it, setting him ablaze. I still hear his screams in my nightmares. Three more men in the same get-ups stepped out and added to the flames. The sickening smell of charred flesh is forever burned in my memories. It probably took a few minutes for Daryl to stop moving, but it felt like hours. The three men turned towards the entrance and simply stood there. It was clear they were all but daring us to try and make a run for it. I backed away from the door and pulled Mary Beth with me. The kitchen, she muttered. Kitchen? I asked confused. Kevin's note said something about a key in the kitchen. I closed the door to the house because I couldn't stand the thought of those monsters watching us, waiting for us to run. 
Our way out is on the third floor. I muttered, out of breath. Maybe the key will let us out. There was no way to know for sure. Who knows what other traps were rigged to rip us to shreds. We walked into the kitchen, and right there on the table was a pie, just sitting out. It was obvious that it was placed there deliberately. It seemed simple enough. Too simple. Oh, God, Mary Beth said, right before she threw up on the floor. I slowly walked over to the pie on the table as I realized what it was. Entrails, eyeballs, human hair, all lumped into one disgusting pie tray. Oh shit, we have to dig through that? I was exasperated by this point. What else could these lunatics throw at us? I knew I had to get it done if I ever wanted to see another sunrise. So I took a deep breath and plunged my hand in the gooey pile of human remains. Oh God, it sounds like mac and cheese, I said as my hand sloshed around the entrails. I could feel it all sliding through my fingers as I used every inch of my willpower to hold down my vomit. I felt something solid brush against my finger and honed in on it. Oh, thank Christ, I said, as I yanked a standard house key out of the pile of guts. I shook the gunk off my hand and took two steps before I finally gave in to my stomach's desire and hurled on the floor. You... You hold on to that, Mary Beth told me, not eager to grab onto the key. Let's go. We made our way up the second set of stairs leading to the house's third floor. Once again, we crept up every little step, snuck around every corner, and carefully, we tiptoed through every doorway until we finally found it. The master bedroom with the word freedom written in bright red, painted over the room's only padlocked window. I pulled the key, released the padlock, and pulled the locking contraption off the window. Mary Beth had to help me, but we slowly slid the window up, making sure not to trigger any more traps. We peeked our heads out and looked down, it was pitch black. The, the note said to jump into the abyss, she recalled. I'll go first, I volunteered. It wasn't an act of bravery, more an act of self-preservation, but she saw it as brave. I slid through the window feet first and closed my eyes. It was now or never. I let go, hoping for the best. I felt the cool night breeze whip against my face. I braced for the hard thud of the ground, but instead, I hit something soft. 
It was one of those inflatable bounce mats that firefighters use to catch people in burning buildings. I called up to Mary Beth and told her to jump. She was right behind me, hitting it hard enough to send me bouncing back into the air and onto the grass. She quickly helped me to my feet and we looked into the forest. We have to run. She could barely get a word out before four masked men ambushed us. They grabbed us both and forced us to our knees. Another one of these sick fucks started clapping, cackling behind his mask. Well, 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 he said, muffled behind his creepy Nixon mask. What a show. Fuck you, Mary Beth screamed. You shouldn't be mad at me, Mary Beth. You have been played, the man said, gesturing to me. What is he talking about? Mary Beth exclaimed. I'm, I'm sorry, Mary Beth. I'm so sorry. I cried. The game had rules, and Jake here played it perfectly. Go on, tell Mary Beth what you withheld from everyone. Jake, what is he talking about? Mary Beth said with depression behind her wavering voice. I, I lied about my note. I said, ashamed to look at her. What do you mean? She said, almost ready to cry. I'm sorry, Mary Beth. I was crying at this point. It said, the first one to escape gets to go home. You, you motherfucker. Fucking coward. She screamed, and she was right. It was cowardice. I sacrificed her to save myself. Oh man, I always love when we do this one. It's such a fun social experiment, the masked man shouted. Jake, you are free to go. Mary Beth, Sorry about your luck, kid. Just fucking go! Mary Beth screamed. I hope you enjoy your fucking life knowing what you did to me, you piece of shit! I couldn't look her in the eyes anymore. At this point, the shame of what I did was too much. Aw, you guys are gonna make me cry. Knock them out. He barked to his men. The last thing I remember is the feel of a sharp needle in my neck. I woke up in a hospital bed a few hours later. I sat up, thinking I hallucinated the whole thing. That is, until I saw the note sitting on the table next to my bed. It was written on the same paper that we had in our pockets at the beginning of the night. If you value your life and the life of your family, 
you will tell no one about our fun little weekend. Signed, The Hunter's Club. My mom and dad burst through the door shortly after, blubbering about a car crash and how all of my friend's bodies were recovered except Mary Beth's. The story that was sold to them was that Kevin veered off a bridge into a river. The car caught fire, charring all of the bodies. Mary Beth and I were ejected from the car and into the river. I washed ashore, and she was never found. They were so grateful I survived such a horrific accident that they never stopped to think about the absurdity of the cover story. I haven't so much as uttered a word about that night in years. The therapist my mom made me see diagnosed me with a combination of PTSD and survivor's guilt. But I know the truth. I couldn't speak of that night for all of our sakes. So I thought. I received a letter last night that sent a chill up my spine, written on the same fucking paper. It was one line, and I knew exactly who it was from. Welcome to the Hunted Club. I'm coming for you, motherfucker. Signed, M.B. I'm sure my days are numbered. I thought I won the game that night, but I guess it never ended. I don't know what happened to Mary Beth, or what they did to her, but it's clear she blames me. She's coming for me, and I doubt I can stop her. So why am I writing this, knowing they'll kill me for going public? If I'm going to die, I might as well do something good. This is my warning to all of you. Be careful while booking vacation homes. If it seems too good to be true, it might be. The last thing you want is to unwittingly find yourself in a haunted house. It's a game that you will never escape. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of the Nope Too Creepy podcast. If you want to learn more about the author of this story, just check the show notes and you'll find all the necessary links. If I haven't earned it already, I hope this is the week you choose to follow or subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. Until next time, everybody, this is Dan David reminding you all to stay safe out there. I'll be seeing you in the next episode. Nope.